0: Morning, Good morning, Church. Open your Bibles, please, to First Peter, chapter three. I'm going to be looking at that uh, third chapter. If you're visiting Christ Church today, my name's Mark, and I'm one of the ministers, and uh, we're glad that you're with us. Uh, as we look at First Peter, we're talking about uh, building on hope. Uh, the concept of this entire letter, if you remember the context that we introduced about four weeks ago, uh, this entire letter is written to a group of Christians who are living out their faith in a violent world. They're called exiles and foreigners. Uh, Peter's letting them know that they didn't fit in the world like they used to when they were living a life of sin and selfishness, but because they were following Jesus, that uh, things had changed around them. Uh, He defines what our hope is. It's in Jesus. It's in the power of the resurrection and power of the blood that Jesus changed everything, and he allowed us then to live in that power and to build our hope on him. And then uh, three weeks ago, uh, Chad Ragsdale spoke on holiness, and the pursuit of this new life is to be set apart. It's to be an instrument of God to bring good into this world. And then two weeks ago, Chad also uh, brought the message on the priesthood of all believers, how we have a role in this kingdom, and that God has given us the opportunity to administer the same hope that we've received to others. And last week, uh, Scott Ensminger spoke on submission uh, as, as it brings healing, How God has given us the ability and the power to live in such a way that the world is changed. Uh, And He talked to us in the text about um, outsiders, people that aren't believers, and how we can have an influence in our submission to God and holiness, how it can change those who don't know. who Jesus is. Talked about how we relate to governing authorities, how we live a life of submission that portrays what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and then also uh, how we deal with masters or bosses or those that supervise us and have influence over us in power. How do we live out this hope? But today we're going to talk about probably the most uh, difficult of all places to live out hope. And if you'll notice something, in this letter, Peter is drilling down deeper and deeper and deeper into our personal lives. Uh, He's gone from a kind of a who we are in Christ, to who we are in the world or culture we live in, to who we are with those that have supervisory capacity over us, and now he goes, what I believe is the toughest place to live out your holiness is in your home. Let's begin with verses 1 and 2. Wives. In the same way, be submissive to your husband, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by your behavior of their wives, that th- when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And all I have to say to that is, are you kidding me? I'm gone for three weeks, and I come back to this text? A smart preacher would have stayed out one more week and let somebody else preach this one, but <clears throat> you're stuck with me and it. Wives. In the same way, be submissive to your husbands. Most of us, if I said, hey, write down real quick on a piece of paper, write down the most powerful words in that opening phrase, most of us write the word submissive. But we will have missed the integrity of the entire letter if we miss four words in the same way. It's really important for us to catch on to this as we go into these first seven verses of chapter 3. Peter is not just pulling out now a brand new topic he's linking it back to what he said previous. When he says, in the same way, in the same way as what? Well, if you look back at chapter 1, verse 15, he'd say, as he who called you is holy, so you are also holy in all your conduct. Or you could go to chapter 2, verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So as Peter drills down into the everyday life of people living by hope, And remember, hope is not just wishful thinking. Hope is confident expectation. And it's a confident expectation built on Jesus and who he is and what he promises and what he can deliver. So he says, in the same way, wives, be submissive to your husband. Now, it's really easy, and this is quite common today, especially in American culture, to dismiss this passage of scripture as old-timey. Well, that was way back, Mark, they had slaves. Now wives are supposed to be submissive. That stuff has all gone away. It's now about equality, and, and I don't know that I disagree completely with that sentiment, but be very, very careful, because what we're talking about here is a passage inspired by the Holy Spirit for a reason. You see, Peter's challenge to the home is not just, are you okay and are you getting enough? Peter's challenge to the home is, do you believe in Jesus enough to bring hope into your home? To change the dynamic of what culture says is and live out the greater experience. But let's define what submission is not. Okay, I think we can correct a lot of poor uh, definition of scripture by using terms well. So let's define what submission is not. First of all, submission is not agreeing with everything. Nowhere does Peter say to his audience that you women, that you're supposed to agree with everything your husband thinks, feels, or says. That's not submission. That's ignorance. We're not told to do that. See, in this case, Peter says this woman knows who Jesus is. Her husband doesn't know who Jesus is, so she can't agree with him on everything because she knows the truth, and he doesn't. But Peter says live in hope and be submissive to him so he'll know what you know. So we know it doesn't mean agreeing with everything. It doesn't mean being mindless. Uh, you know, I, the, the character off of television, it's a thousand years old, but, uh, you know, for those of you under 30, you'll have to look it up on uh, Wikipedia. But to be submissive, women, does not mean you're to be Edith Bunker. Yay, someone knew that. Good. <laughs> Third hour is going to look at me like, oh, wow, you are really uncool, and that's the truth. It doesn't mean the inability to think for yourself. It doesn't mean that you can't have your own opinions, your own thoughts, your own insights, your own creativity, your own artistry. None of that means, submission has nothing to do with that. So it's not being mindless. It's not agreeing with everything he says. It's not avoiding the opportunity to change him. There are some men who think for a wife to be submissive means just let me be who I am, that's who I am. Well, no, that's that's ridiculous. None of us are ever compelled by scripture to allow someone to stay wrong to stay broken to stay sick to stay hurt none of us are the gospel gives us freedom to try to change people and to offer them the hope that's within us it also submission never means disobeying god's will that god is our master jesus is our lord And submission does not mean that you do evil things because you got married. No, it means that you honor God, and to honor him is to bring hope, and submission is part of the way we administer hope. And then lastly, and I think this is really important for our culture, submission does not mean that a woman gets her spiritual strength from her husband. That's a misapplication of Scripture, to say that, women, you are made spiritual by your husband. No, no. In fact, the the Scriptures tell us here that... You are summoned to have your own depth, your own strength, and your own character, and you're to share that strength and character with your husband, especially if he's an unbeliever. Now, I know in our church, we have men and women who come to services with us every week and worship with us and grow with us and do life with us, and your spouse doesn't attend church with you. So what I want to do is encourage you this morning that if you live out the hope that is within you, God has the power to fix what you can't. I don't know how he's going to bring that together, but I believe in a God who can do that. Uh, I've had the opportunity the last three weeks to be involved with Christ in Youth in Michigan. Beautiful time of the year to be in there. Wouldn't go back in January. Loved to be there in June and July. Just absolutely beautiful. Had opportunity to be with over 4,000 high school students and to be with them and see their energy in their life. And we talked about the resurrection, and so allow me to steal a line from the last three weeks for you. I'm going to ask you a question. First hour stared at me, they were mouth breathing, and that wasn't good. Okay, so I need you guys to answer me this question. Do you believe that if God can raise Jesus from the dead, and Jesus has the power to bring resurrection, that he can fix your home? See, there's hope in today's message. So ladies, when you hear me read the text, be submissive to your husband. Some of you go, oh man, it's ridiculous. Not if you have hope that God can do in your submission what you can't do without it. And men, we're gonna talk to you in just a few moments. So... What does submission mean? John Piper has a great practical definition of submission. Having the courage to give up my rights to meet another's need. That's what it means to be submissive. To give up my rights to help someone meet a need. And our example, in the same way, our example is Jesus who gave up the best parts of being in heaven to come to the worst parts of hell here on earth. And he did that for our needs. He came to earth because of his love for his father, and he died on the cross because of his love for you and I. Love is the heartbeat of submission. So if you are a person who's asked to submit to the government, submit to your employer, submit to your spouse, and you do it begrudgingly, and you make them pay because you're submitting, you're not submitting. Because submission is led by love. It's at the root of all biblical submission. Is the desire to love well, and to allow that love to change the circumstances. And be, I want to be crystal clear. Submission does not mean inferiority. In fact, I think there's something pretty powerfully superior about submission. Because it overcomes our natural selfishness. And it shows a depth and character that few possess or even desire to possess. So, let's begin again by getting all the controversy out of the way. Let's begin by asking this simply, or this statement. How does a wife live out her hope? Verses 1 through 6 of chapter 3. Wives, in the same way be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Peter shares with us two principles, ladies, for you to live out holiness within your family. Because again, I'll say it, the hardest place to be holy is in the home because they know you the best. They know your strengths and your weaknesses. They know your mistakes. They know your great successes. They know when you don't want to try, and they know when you do want to try. And Peter says to the women who had gotten this newfound freedom in Christianity, he said, be careful that your freedom doesn't end up pushing people away from this holiness, but instead it draws you together into it. First of all, he tells them to live out their hope through trusting faith. He tells them to live out their hope through trusting faith. In other words, he says, listen, it's going to be a balance between what you say and how you live. So he encouraged the women not to begin with words, not to harangue or not to to continue to talk and talk and talk to their husband about this faith, but to live out what that hope looks like because men are far more convinced by demonstration than they are by proclamation. Men respond more. Someone says they can do something, a man's first reaction, have you ever noticed this? If you're sitting with one of your friends, ladies, if one of your girlfriends tells you she can do something, you'll instantly choose to believe it. Because you believe in her. Men, not so much. Say, I can dunk. Here's a ball. Men, far more believe in demonstration than proclamation. So, Peter says to these women whose husbands aren't believers, listen, live out your faith. Speak about it too, but live out your faith primarily and watch the man respond. Second, Let your true beauty show. I want to redeem this verse from its misuse in American culture. And I want to be careful because some of you may have been raised in this and I'm not looking down on it, but there's a freedom that's lost in an interpretation that says, if women wear makeup or jewelry or nice clothes, that they've misunderstood the scripture and that's wrong. That's not what Peter's saying in context. If you want to pull that verse out and make it separate, you can probably get it to say whatever you want. But if you leave it in Peter's letter, what he's saying to the women is, listen, there is a beauty inside of you that comes from Jesus Christ that's greater than jewelry and makeup and hairdos. So don't just identify yourself by how you look, but live out your hope because that will be the most attractive thing that your husband will find in you. It's a beauty of the inner person. He calls it the hidden person of the heart. He refers to it as gentle and a quiet spirit. And that will come back to play in just a few moments. So let's kind of leave that thread dangling here and we'll tie it together in a moment. Why should a woman do this? Peter asks the question or he answers the question why. We all want to know this so what. Because if I'm a woman sitting in this audience uh, together and, and By the way, men, if you're sitting next to your wife and you haven't put your arm around her yet, what are you thinking? I'm beating the tar out of her, and you just need to grab her hand right now and squeeze her and just let her know we're in this together. Don't be sitting there going, yeah, submit, because if you haven't made lunch, you're going to make it today, all right? Okay. So, why? He uses Sarah as an example. And he says, You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Let me explain to you the implications of this. First of all, God says, uh, uh, rather, Peter says, A godly wife should do what is right. And what is right? What the Lord says. So Peter's encouraging them, listen, this may appear hard, it's, it's risky, it's a bit dangerous, but it's the right thing to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, you know that the core of what I'm calling you to be, as set apart and holy, is to be a person who loves well. And love your husband. He needs to know you believe in him, he needs to know you care for him, so love him well, do the right thing. And secondly, a godly wife must not give way to fear. I love that Peter acknowledges this. When I say from the scriptures to the ladies of this church, submit to your husbands, some of you want to scream right now, you don't know him. If I, if I gave myself completely to him, he has not taken care of me yet. He's not loving me. He's not honoring me. I don't feel safe with him. And so men, we have to own part of the fear that women have in being submissive to us is they're not sure they can trust us. And we need to repent of that, not just to God, but to them too. Because the safest place for all of us should be in our homes, and for some of us, the least safe place is in our homes. So what casts out fear? Perfect love the willingness to love and to serve. You see, there's a risk in every act of obedience. There are times I command, I know that's a hard word, but it's true, I command my children to do certain things. It's not optional. Simply say, hey, you need to go out and take your toys, take them up to the toy room, put them where they go, and I need you to do it right now. That's not a, can we discuss this, let's vote on it, are you happy with me? That's a part of living in our home, pal, is get your stuff out of the way of everybody else and take it upstairs. That is a command. Now, is there much risk in that? Not necessarily. There are some times I ask my boys to do things or I ask my wife to do something or the elders of this church ask me to do something and there is a risk. I've had to go visit people who were troubled at what happened in this church or didn't care for something I said. There's a risk of walking into that circumstance, obeying my leaders and putting myself at risk of obeying them by putting myself in a tough spot. We get it. Submission is risky. That's why men, give your wife someone to submit to that's honorable and real. And ladies, take the risk because God said it's the right thing to do. And even though there's fear, trust me, And this is what Peter's, the hope of the gospel exploding in the home is when we do weird things in the name of God and God does healing things because of it. So, let's move quickly. How does a husband live out his hope? I have to laugh because there's a bunch of women who will look and say, that's funny, the girls get six verses, the guys get one. We're simple. He can only give us one thing at a time. Verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, did you notice the repetition here? Peter's linking it back to the example of Christ. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. It may seem like only one verse in comparison to six, but if you look at the density of this verse, there's great power in it. In the same way, he tells us to be considerate so let's begin considerate understanding that's the first thing guys were to do when it says be considerate as you live with your wives the word considerate there means knowledge it means to know her and if you ever study gender studies you'll find out this guys we define ourselves by what we do what we accomplish you go to work Did you kill the animal? Yes. Did you skin it? Yep. Do you have it to show? Yes. You come home from work, you did the work, you got it done, day over. Women want to be understood. They want to be in community. That's why they're better creatures than men. They have relationships. It matters how your day went. And so to understand her heart, give her someone to be submissive to. Be a leader in your home. Be a man who understands what she desires and, you know, let's ask the question, how do I know what my wife wants? Well, I've never guessed correctly once in 28 years of knowing that girl. So if I want to know, I better ask. And Peter's actually saying, be considerate as you live with your wives. And we we don't think much of it, but contextually, for Peter, there were many men who were married to women who did not live in the same homes with them. And he said, don't just marry them, but do life with them. Live in the same place with them. Understand them. Be considerate of who they are and what they desire. Secondly, give considerate respect. Peter teaches that they should honor and respect their wives, and then he uses that term as weaker vessels. And the claws come out. And the women start looking at each other, weaker my eye. Let me explain. Peter uses a term here that does not talk about her being weaker socially or emotionally or spiritually. They're not half humans. They're not lesser additions. They're not the beta version of humanity. They are real people who are weaker physically. What Peter is saying to the men is give her protection, give her safety, care for her, provide for her, do things for her that protect her. She's made differently than you, but she is your equal and she is to be honored and respected. And so show her respect, show her understanding, and lastly, Give her considerate honor, value her, esteem her, acknowledge her, love her, care for her. The wife is to, to be so loved that her submission comes naturally. The truth is, and you can talk to anybody who's done any Christian counseling at all, they'll tell you, if you have a wife who won't submit, you probably have a jerk for a husband. Because women desire to be in a real relationship. And so when they can't trust the person they are submit to, it's because the husband's not giving the wife what she needs. And a loving husband, a respectful husband, a considerate husband will have a wife that can trust him. So guys, we don't get to dodge this. And then Peter does something amazing. Look at the end of that verse. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. What? You mean the way I treat my wife? Is a contingency with God answering my prayers? Yep. Not just in here. I can take you to Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, Mark chapter 11. I can take you throughout the scriptures to show you that the way you treat other people directly affects your connectivity with God. So if you're sitting here today going, man, I've blown it, what's the theme of this series? Hope. And hope is not wishful thinking, hope is confident expectation. So, even if I stood here today and said, for 28 years of marriage with my wife, I have been a jerk, praise God, today's a new day and I can live in a new hope if I begin to obey the God who's called me to hope. Today, the message is not how bad we've been. The real message is, do you want to live in hope and change your home? Do you want to bring life? 1 Peter 4 7, be clear minded and self controlled so that you can pray. Ephesians four thirty-two. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. So, what have we learned? I've learned not to come back and preach this text after being on vacation. (laughs) Second lesson, what is the foundation under all of our relationships? What's Peter's point? The hardest place to be holy is in the home, and the the actions are very simple. Love each other as Christ loved the church and give yourself to the other person. But marriage is not defined by what you receive. It's an American concept, but it's not a biblical concept. Let me explain. In America, we're told, if you're not happy, move on to find happiness. The Bible says, no, marriage is not about happiness, it's about holiness. And holiness is giving yourself away, not measuring what you receive. And when you learn through God that when you give yourself away, you actually find out who you truly are, and you live the life you're truly meant to live, then in that holiness, we find that ultimate happiness. So what is the foundation under all relationships? A, God is the source of our strength. I can't Do this, but God can. I can't make up for all the times I didn't do the right thing. God can. I can't say I'm sorry enough for all the times I failed. God can show me a path. God can heal a heart. God can restore brokenness and shatteredness. God can do all of these things because it says in verse 5 For in this way, in former times, the holy women who hoped in God. Remember, if our salvation, first week of this series, If our salvation is founded on what Jesus did, don't get worn out with what you can't do, but instead give God what you can. Give your spouse what you can. Give your children what you can. Give your employer. Give the government. Give the people around you. Learn to live in a submission that says, I am going to do the right thing without fear because I trust my God. Secondly, become quiet or gentle, quiet, fearless people. Peter's encouragement to us is to live out this level of not the outward yapping about our faith, but the demonstration of our faith that allows us to speak. Did you guys catch the difference? There's a difference between proclaiming that we're followers of God, but the Bible seems to indicate we live out love. We live out hope and faith. We, we use our hands. that We no longer work to be saved, but we work to build the kingdom, because we're already in it. And in doing that, people will ask us. This is why Peter is going to say in the next few weeks, always be prepared to give the reason for the, for the hope that's within you. Be ready by living it out. A quiet, gentle, fearless people. And lastly, purposeful behavior. And this is probably where every sermon ends every week. Purposeful behavior. For many of us right now, if, if we're human at all, we're assessing whether or not we can do this, and we need to repent of that immediately. We can be obedient. You can choose to live this out. But let me, let me kind of rephrase the question to a less threatening design. What would happen if you did? What would happen if your conversation this afternoon at home went, I'm sorry. I want, I want to have hope in our home. I want to begin brand new because I believe that the God that can raise Jesus from the dead can raise a marriage from the dead. He can raise children from the dead. He can raise love from the dead. He can raise anything that's died back to life. Do you believe in that kind of Jesus? Do you believe in that kind of hope? Because a bunch of rules and regulations, women do this, men do this, and if you do this, you'll have a happy marriage. No, you've misunderstood the message. The message isn't three steps to have a happy marriage. The steps is what's missing in our homes that could bring holiness. And it's a husband and a wife living for each other, not with each other. It's a love that believes in the man and a man that invests in the woman. It's a model of the church. A savior who came and took his bride and the bride loves her husband And together they serve one another and they serve together and they're about more than just themselves and it brings great hope. You see, as Peter bores down into the depth of who we are, all of us have to make the choice. Will I build my home on hope? Because it's a choice each of us makes. So if we believe in a God who can do this, even for those of you that sit here today and you go, I'm not married, dude. Yeah, I know. But if you... If you will take what you've heard today when you get married, you will be decades ahead of the rest of us because you will have made a choice to offer a holy marriage and not just a legal one because the world's looking for satisfied customers and nothing speaks better in the church than a home built on faith, love, and hope. Today, there's hope. Not wishful thinking, but confident expectation. And in just a few moments, Kenny's going to come out and he's going to pray for our church, for marriages, for families. For those of you that are hurting here today and you wonder, is there hope? Give that to the Lord. For those of you that are, are looking at your spouse today and saying, thank you for being a person of holiness, for believing in our God, for journeying with me together, say those words. Don't assume that they're understood. But today, our act of worship is to obey with fear, but knowing that our God is bigger than our fear and to obey because it's right and to give love and to speak hope and to speak life and to believe. Let's stand together.